Well, this is a great way to start our Friday, huh? That was a fantastic song by uh, Rainbow, Long Live Rock and Roll. And uh, we chose that song because of my guest today, who's Scott Crawford, who just recently did a documentary on Boy Howdy, the story of Cream Magazine. And uh, Scott has done a lot of different documentaries and a lot of different different. He's done books. He's done all sorts of things. So um, I am going to bring him on and uh, as well as my co-host, Spencer Drake. And uh, if you'd like to listen to the show afterwards, it will be available afterwards on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media. I can't even talk today. Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio um, afterwards as a podcast. So let me bring Scott into the studio and Spencer, and I wanted to let everyone know if they'd like to call in or have any questions for Scott or myself or Spencer, you can call 347-677-1036. Meanwhile, let me bring everybody into the studio because this is really exciting. We were we were really exciting about this. Hey, Scott, how are you there? I'm here. Okay. Oh, cool. And I've got Spencer there, too. Hey, Scott, I have to tell you something funny. I was reading a little bit of the history, and I don't know if uh, Chris is still involved, but is Chris Carter still involved in um, any of the Cream Magazine stuff? Because I know Chris really well. That's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> um, no, he, he wasn't involved in this in this film at all, but um, he's certainly aware of it, and uh, we had some conversations early on. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's cool. He's a really great guy. Yeah. Very, very great. He's um knows a lot about music, so that's really awesome. So let's let me do this. Um for people that don't know who Boy Howdy is or Cream Magazine or anything like that that's just tuning in, um, why don't you um introduce yourself a little bit and talk a little bit about um who Boy Howdy is and the story of Cream Magazine and uh about everything that it's been doing so far because it's really getting a lot of attention. Great. And then okay. I'm sure Spencer uh, and I have some questions for you. Sure, sure. Um, well, my name is Scott Crawford. Um, I spent the last three years um, working on this documentary about Cream Magazine. Uh, Cream Magazine, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar, um, was first launched in 1969, um, sort of post-riot mm-hmm. uh, Detroit. <clears throat> in Detroit, I'm sorry, it was based from in Detroit and, um, you know, sort of rose from the the ashes, so to speak, of the uh, of the riots there in, in 1968 and 67, um, uh, and you know it was uh, at that point in time, Detroit was really becoming this um, white hot sort of center for music, whether it was uh, Motown mm-hmm. or, um, or what was going on with uh, you know um, rock and roll bands like you know Mitch Ryder and Bob Seger and folks like that. As well as uh, a little later on, you had you know the Stooges and MC5. So it was really a hotbed of, of music, and so it, it was only natural that a magazine would would sort of um, um, you know, come out of that uh, because naturally uh, you're going to want to cover that and you're going to want to write about it. It was really um, a period of time where there wasn't you know rock and roll criticism was was really still in its infancy and um, really. <clears throat> The only other magazine you had out on the newsstands was Rolling Stone, which had started the, the year before, and then, of course, smaller magazines like Crawdaddy. But 
But uh, generally speaking, uh, writing about rock and roll was kind of a new art, a new science. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. clearly there had been jazz criticism and things like that beforehand. But um, so there's this bunch of sort of, you know, quote-unquote misfits sort of all came together, uh, led by the publisher Barry Kramer. Um, and they all lived communally uh, in this rundown, um, you know, three-story building in downtown Detroit and uh, launched Cream and um, continued uh, out of Detroit for the next 20 years. Mm. Well, that's not true. That's amazing. Continued yeah. mostly out of Detroit. Late late 80s, they, they moved to L.A., but that was a different story. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was. It's, it's thought of, at least in, I think in most people's minds, as, as um, you know, one of the more authentic sort of fan-focused um, music magazines of the time it was kind of like a bad boy alternative to rolling stone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was reading a little bit about it how when it first came out um it was um mistakenly taken for something different so a lot of different i mean that's what it's saying that a lot that it was published originally and people were picking it up thinking it was a different kind of magazine because of the name but then it caught on, and then it was just like distributed everywhere. A lot of people really enjoyed the music part. You had a lot of really interesting people working with the magazine. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Uh, to your to your point about um, people thinking it was something else. Yeah, that was. Um, it's kind of a funny story. In fact, uh, at one point, um, uh, <laughs> you know, early on. Um, once they, they sort of switched formats, they started off as a newspaper kind of thing. And, uh, and then they switched to a glossy, uh, cover with newsprint inside. So it was much more of a, you know, normal, uh, magazine format. And once they did that, um, they hooked up with a, with a major magazine distributor in the country. Um, I think it was Curtis, which is pretty probably the number one, uh, magazine distributor in the country anyway. Um, and their first order came back and it was huge and you know they were you know i'm sure they were giving each other high fives and everything else um but then of course when the returns came in they weren't <laughs> uh <laughs> i think they realized mm-hmm. what had happened and in fact what had happened was that the magazine distributor and this and is funny and yeah. bookstores across the country that had placed orders for this magazine called cream <laughs> thought it was actually a porno magazine right, of course. isn't that funny that's, That's great. Yeah. funny. Great story. Great story. So uh, but, uh, and you can see you can see where they might think that from the title, but um, the title is actually a reference to the band Cream, mm. as mm-hmm. was the, of Rolling Stone. Um, you know, to the Rolling Stone. So it was actually kind of a middle finger to Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. That's pretty oh, cool. Scott, Scott, who, who's there on the original Cream board? Was there a, a group of people in the original Cream when it first started that you want to talk about? Well, early on, um, you know, Dave Marsh uh, was really the first real official editor-in-chief. I mean, there was um, Tony Ray before that, as explained in the film. Uh, he was editor there. He helped launch the magazine for about the first six months, and then Dave Marsh took over. And Dave was really the um, the editor for the next you know five years or so, uh, and he was able to bring on board a bunch of you know incredibly talented 
writers that went on, you know, Dave in his own right went on to become a successful, you know, best-selling author. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he brought a lot of great writers on board like Grill Marcus and even, uh, you know, Nick Koshis and Bukowski and, and guys like that. So um, he was obviously a very important part of the Korean story. Yeah. Did, did he coin the no. word punk? By the way, there's a story yes, in there. Yes, I where, read that in did he, there. Did he coin yeah, the word punk? Punk rock? Uh, what's the story punk on rock. that? Well, that's, Lester um, Bangs, I think. Well, yeah. that's right one on. of those stories that um, geeks like me love to to um, to talk about, and, and I really wanted to explore that because it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's this um, argument that's been going on for what, 40 years now about who first coined the term. Um, right. You know, some people say it was Dave Marsh. Other people say it was uh, John Holmstrom from Punk Magazine. Um, but <clears throat> uh, I actually do think it was Dave um, in, in the course of an interview, I'm sorry, of a review of an album by uh, uh, Question Mark and Mysterians. He used the term punk rock. And, you know, at that mm. point, uh, yeah. you know, a punk was someone that was, you know, like you're a punk, you're, you know, you're, uh, you know, that was, it's like a jail term, you know, and a prison term. Right. Um, but, but it fit, um, and it just kind of stuck. And then from there, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Right. Cause see, uh, I, what I brought to bring that up is I saw John Holmstrom interview the last night, you know, I've worked with him on the Ramones and everything. And he mentioned that he mentioned about, you love this, uh, Scott, he mentioned that about the coin of the word punk and that's why I wanted to bring it up to you because I know it's in the movie, and it's, it is a big controversy. Yeah, it's a big right. It's a big. Thing. It is. It is. Just you know, to people, you know, for some people, sure. Yeah, and and and, and you'll well, see that in the film. I don't want to ruin it, but but that yeah. is explored in the film. So. Yep. Yep. I saw that. I saw that, and you know what's really cool about this film um, is that there are so many different people that really you know talk about what they remember and and their experiences do you want to talk a little bit about what what i'd like to know is what made you decide to do this story about cream magazine and boy howdy and um and then how did you choose the people that you ended up doing the documentary with um good question yeah so uh, i guess i would have to go back to um my previous life as a um Magazine editor. <laughs> so I That's ran a great. Magazine. I love it. I, I ran a, I was an editor for my, I launched the mag, uh-huh. uh, this mag, music magazine um, from my basement um, in 2001. And soon, within a few months, an, another publisher became interested in, in um, purchasing the magazine. So they did. Uh, and so I worked on that magazine um, as editor and art director for the next almost eight years. And my goal, one of my goals with the magazine was to hire uh, every writer that I ever read in Cream. And uh, Oh, wow. And I was uh-huh. able to do that. Um, everyone wow. from Ed Ward to Richard Meltzer, uh, Jan Huelski served as my oh. senior editor. She's in the film. She's a producer on the film now. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Cream changed my life. Cream, you know, was made me want to start a magazine when when I was a kid, and 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 I 
did several fanzines as a kid. Um, even into my twenties, I, I continued to do them. Um, so it was just always something that it was always a story that I wanted to tell. And I knew that this was not just, you know, as much as I love trouser press, there's not, you know, as a kid, there's really not a big dramatic story there. Um, whereas with cream, not only did it change the face of journalism, but there was the backstory is, you know, in in terms of the characters that, that helped create that, uh, environment, you know, is, is a story in itself. So, um, so once I was finished with my last film, Salad Days, I approached, um, Jan actually introduced me to JJ Kramer, who's the published, the late publisher's son. And I approached him with the idea of doing this and, uh, we, we hit it off and, you know, we spent the next three and a half years, you know, working very closely on, on, on making this film. I want to, I want to bring in something, Scott, uh, in my life, you know, I was tied to Lester Bangs. I used to work at ESP disc. We had the fugs. We were a raucous, uh, radio uh, label and, and, and Lester would call me up once in a while and say, Hey Spence, what's going on at ESP? You know, he was into a group called the Gots. He wrote a big article in Cream on it, you know, so that was my tie-in. And I loved, I would look forward to him calling me. I tell you, Scott, he was like a trip. But why don't you tell, uh, uh, which is in the movie, about about Lester. He was very controversial. Yeah. I, yeah. Certainly a part, a, a part of the film, um, you know, there were really mm-hmm. three main characters, so to speak, um, in the film, and that was, those three characters were, were Barry Kramer, uh, Dave Marsh, and Lester Bangs. Um, they were really the early sort of um, core group that made Cream what it was, not to diminish everyone else's uh, contributions because there were dozens and dozens of amazing contributors. But in terms of telling a story, um, you know, he was <clears> – <throat> it was certainly those three. Um, and Lester um, – God, I mean, you know, you could make ten documentaries on Lester Banks if you wanted to. Uh, you know, I don't know where to begin with him, except that he was um, incredibly talented, brilliant, um, self-destructive. Um, uh, you know, and and controversial, and um, you know, all of those things made him who he was, and um, it's the reason that we're still talking about him today. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I I have that's pretty cool. I have one of his books, Carburetor. You know that book, Carburetor, and sure, I I I love reading his stuff, and it's just a whole other ball game. I mean, it's just right, and he was like that. I mean, he just was a very, um, and of course, very controversial, right? Very controversial. So he got himself into trouble, Mm -hmm. and on the other side, he was brilliant, like you said. And uh, anyway, that's a whole trip. No, no, no. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, he really um, defined, or maybe even created this sort of participatory—I'm sorry—participatory journalism, where he inserted himself into the story. You know, so um, if you were reading, for example, about Lester, uh, Lou Reed, you know, Lester yeah. was just as much a part of that article as as Lou Reed. Um, right. And so, in some ways, you know, some of the contributors of, of Cream were just as famous or infamous. Uh, as the artist that they were writing about. You know, it's funny. In the movie, there's a part where you interview who we designed, Judith and I designed for Joan Jett, as you know. 
But there's a part where she talks about the runaways and how they killed the write-up on the runaways. And Joan comes to the office, and she tried to find somebody. They ran out the back door, right? I love that story. Right. It's really funny. Yeah, it's a great story. It was it was an incredibly sexist um, review of, of the runaways, uh, I think, debut album. And um, the band showed up and, you know, wanted to confront the writer, uh, <laughs> Rick Johnson, and uh, he wasn't there, so uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great story. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Scott? I wanted to ask you. Um, you know that no, that's really cool about that part of the movie. What I wanted to know from you was if you had any um, other people in the movie that you wanted to talk about. Because I was wondering how you chose all the people that you did choose that were in the movie. Yeah, we and that you ended up interviewing. Right. We probably interviewed over 50 people for the film, um, maybe more. Um, and, you know, we tried to be strategic about it. I mean, you're, it's, you know, it's, um, you're trying to tell a story, uh, mm-hmm. at least for the purposes of this film, were, uh, spanned over a decade or more, slightly. Mm-hmm. We didn't really get into the later period cream. So I really focused right. on the heyday. So, um, you know, you're really having to, you know, <clears throat> reach out and find those people that can speak to that period. Um, mm-hmm. And that included staff writers as well as um, artists that were covered, um, you know, in the in the pages of Green. So, um, yeah, we really, we you know, we, we crisscrossed the country um, several times just interviewing. Um, interviewing people, and, yeah. Yeah. What was and, uh, that like? What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sure yeah, you have I mean, some really great experiences and some stories you'd like to share with our listeners about some of the people that you interviewed live. Well, um, I think there could be another documentary made about That's awesome. this documentary. So mm-hmm. that would be... Uh, <laughs> the making of, uh, yeah. Yeah, the making of. Uh, I mean, hell, I'd watch it, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a particularly uh, funny story. Uh, well, we, we, you know, we traveled to uh, Waco, Texas to interview the always controversial Ted Nugent, um, who was in the film, of course, because he's a Detroit native and, you know, was very uh, much a part of that, uh, of that scene. Um, and... Uh, halfway through the interview, he had to relieve himself, uh, and so the crew turned around, and he was doing that off the his back deck uh, in clear view of everyone. So, uh, um, yeah, so that was an interesting interview. Um, there was an, another time I was interviewing Mitch Ryder, and I had to adjust his mic pack. The, the battery pack, and which happened to be on his uh, waistline, uh, on his you know clipped to his back, uh, you know behind him, and as I did that, he farted on me, and, <laughs> and said that was for you. Oh my god! So, oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, so Mitch Ryder farted on me. Uh, during, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of a great story. I might make a T-shirt. Those are good ones. Those are really. I should good make ones. that a T-shirt. Hey, listen, I want to I want to tell everybody that um, I want to thank you for putting my name on the credit. That meant a lot to me. That film, 
I know. I, I I think I helped you get Chris Stein on. I hooked you up with Chris Stein. I think uh, who's who was at the end of the film. He gave a quote mm-hmm. on that because they were mm-hmm. part, of course, Blondie. But um, uh, thank you very much for that, Scott. It means a lot to me. Okay. Sure. And, and uh, you know, um, and and the film is so well done. I mean, it, thank uh, you. I, I, I'm sure Holly agrees. I mean, the film is a real. It's hard to do. I think it's very hard to do, and it's a very hard thing to. Documentary films take a long time. They're very hard to put together, um, um, and you, you can't put everybody in because that's the nature of, of documentary film is you interview tons of people, and some right. can't get in. That's okay, but as long as the film is put together in the right way, you did a, a great job on that. I thought, you know, it was a very touching point to me when, when J.J. was talking about his father, and at yes. the end he cries. He's almost, he cries. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was amazing. That really touched me. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you know for JJ, I don't want to speak for him, but I think for him it's been, you know, sort of the underlying thread throughout the film is that this is, if, if you're really watching closely, you're realizing that, you know, JJ Barry's son, who was four years old when he died, um, yeah. is, is discovering who his father was throughout the course of oh. this film, and wow. so I think it was probably oh therapeutic for him in a, in a lot of ways, and uh, yeah. So um, I think, you know, that's why it was so important for him to, you know, to work with the right people and to get the story right. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he he allowed – well, <clears throat> to his credit, he had some great ideas on how to do that and allowed me to do what I wanted to do. And, you know, we worked together as a team, and, and I think um, – I think the results are, are – I'm very proud of the results. So. And, and what about Jan? Jan? We should talk about Jan because Jan was involved with the movie. You know, she had a sure. – she was interviewed a lot in the film actually. But tell us about Jan because she had a big play on this. Well, Jan and I have known each other for almost 20 years. So, um, you know, she um, was a big part of the, of the early Cream story. I think she left in 76. Um, and uh, she's sort of famously known as – the, the one writer, the only writer that I'm aware of, to get on stage with Kiss in full makeup. <laughs> oh, um, wow. And again, it goes, it goes back to that participatory <laughs> journalism where, oh my God. you know, um, not only is this writer at the show reviewing the show, but they're on stage with the band. Um, <laughs> you know, that's pretty unusual. I, I don't know of anyone else that was doing that at the time, and it, especially as a, as a woman. You know, right. she, she was really a trailblazer in a lot of ways, and uh, mm. so yeah, I respect the hell out of her. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. You know what I wanted to ask too was um, when you did interview these people, and you know the different characters that are in this, and you're talking about possibly that you think this could make another great documentary. I wanted to know what you're currently working on now besides just getting this. Doc out there and doing everything. Are you currently working on anything new that you'd like to talk to our listeners about? And then I'd like to mention about Salad Days that you did and also your book Spoke and all that. Right. I appreciate that. Um, right now mm-hmm. I am actively working on a vacation. Oh, nice um, for you. So that's, <laughs> what I'm, that's about all I have planned right now. So, um, we're not going to talk about where you're going because we don't want you to get um, bombarded you're right where you're garage. at. Right, exactly. No, yeah. um, no, I'm, but uh, no, I'm just really working hard at um, promoting this film and um, getting the word out, and um, and then we'll see where 
or see where we go from there. But, uh, but yeah, it's been six, seven years of straight filmmaking. So I, you know, it would be nice to take a little bit of a break, but, um, but I, I love this. I love the, um, sort of the, the journey of it all and, and putting everything you know, starting with nothing and mm-hmm. then putting it all together and ending up with something that you're proud of. So, uh, is this film mm-hmm. going to be entered? Uh, is this film, uh, Scott, going to be entered in some other film festivals? Are your plans? Yeah, there are a number of other uh, festivals. Uh, uh, let's see, it's playing at the uh, Asbury Park Film Festival uh, at the end of uh, April. Mm. Um, it's playing at Freep, which is the Detroit Free Press. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, uh, and that'll be the Detroit premiere, which will be really special because it's such wow. a Detroit story. Yeah. That's April 10th. Oh, great. So I hope everyone can make that. Um, and then there are a number of other festivals that we're looking at, um, you know, throughout the summer. Sure. Great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What, um, what, what plans do you have? I mean, where are you planning on, where are you planning on taking it at this point? I know, like I said, they're doing the film festival out here right now in California, in Sonoma. Can you hear me? Okay. In Sonoma, mm-hmm. sorry, I had dropped my mic here. Um, and I know that there's a couple other festivals coming up. I know that they are doing a lot of pop-ups. There's a lot of new film festivals that are starting up because I think film is really the thing that's taking over, you know, and yeah. uh, documentaries are also very, very, very important because people really want to know what was going on behind the scenes and also, like, the moments like you had to be there kind of thing, which is what a lot of the people that you had in the documentary that you did, Boy Howdy, the story of Cream Magazine, um, and that's C-R-E-E-M for people that don't know. Um, you know, it, it was very interesting. You know, these were people that really could paint pictures. Um, did you learn? That's what I wanted to ask you. Did you, besides me asking you where else you're going to take it, did you learn any great information from anyone that you were interviewing that you didn't know about something that had happened or um, what their experience was with cream or anything like that? Um, I think overall for me um, was finding out more about Barry Kramer. To me, he was always sort of Mm -hmm. an enigma, enigma, you know, like he, uh, everyone talks about when they think of cream, they think of Dave Marsh, Lester Banks, some of these other folks. I didn't know a whole lot about Barry. And so for me, it was fascinating to really under, get to understand him and get a clearer picture of who he was and, and just the, the sort of brilliance. Um, but again, um, the self-destructive nature of, of his personality. Um, so uh, that to me probably was the most uh, fascinating part of, of the whole process. Um, I learned more about him. Um, and 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 um, the dynamics between the staff was also something that I found interesting, um, just because I can't imagine working in an environment like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, that to me, but you know, at the end of the day, the reason that that dynamic existed was because of the music. So mm-hmm. you know, these are people. You know, it's like. Um, you know, I don't want to misquote Dave Marsh, but it was something, you know, he's, he's one of these guys where, you know, rock and roll 
it's not a joke. It's something that you, mm-hmm. you know, you fight for. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's not something to be taken lightly. If you, if you really like it, if you really are passionate about it, which he is, remains to this day, um, then you fight for it and you argue about it and you 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 know it's worth arguing over. Um, so. Um, I think I think that the staff had that in common, and so from that came, you know, the brilliant writing and the brilliant and the sort of at times controversial writing, um, because these people weren't afraid to to say what how they felt, and it wasn't because they wanted to trash a band necessarily. It was because they loved the music and they they wanted to um, to to you know talk about it in a way um, that was truthful. And and you know when I when I was involved with mu- music uh, record companies or uh, that I worked in, uh, I thought it was interesting. When I get on the table, I would get Rolling Stone, I get Cream, I get Crawdaddy. You know, the, you know, you get those range of magazines, uh, and and I found that uh, Rolling Stone very different than Cream, right? Right, Scott? They, they, it was just like day and night to me, you know. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I, and I think that was by design. That was not. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think, as I said, um, Cream, I always look at Cream as sort of like the bad boy alternative to, to yeah. Rolling Stone. Um, and, and again, that's explored in the film um, where we compare the two magazines. Uh, so, you know, at one point, Cream really was the number two newsstand magazine in terms of, you know, music consumer music magazines uh, mm-hmm. to Rolling Stone uh, in the 70s. So uh, they really did go head to head in a lot of ways. <clears throat> right, Excuse me. Right, right. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what about the music in the film? Um, let's talk a little bit about the different music that you play through the film. Is there going to be a soundtrack to this documentary that that's you might release? That's a good release? question. I have mm-hmm. – you know what? That's that's a really good question and certainly worth considering. I, I don't know yeah. uh, whether that will happen or not. I just but see it happening, oh my God, yeah. I can see that. Uh, Holly is yeah. definitely mm-hmm. that one. The music is, is mm-hmm. so great. Wayne Kramer from the MC5 uh, oh, composed – um, a lot of the original score. So in addition to that, you've got everyone from the 13th floor elevators to rainbow to, you know, uh, uh, the replacement. Yeah, that's who we opened up with was rainbow. Yeah. We that's opened right. up with rainbow yeah. long right. live rock and roll. Right. And so, that's in the film uh, guys. So you need to go see the documentary. Hey, listen, uh, Scott, I want to bring something up about MC five. Now, um, you know, I've been a Grammy judge for like six years, uh, six times, but, uh, I noticed uh, that they're always brought up, you know, for uh, to get into the rock hall, and I get the feeling that younger people don't get it. I mean, they really don't understand, and there's such a big influence on music. You know this, but when MC5 doesn't get big votes, it's crazy. I mean, and they're a foundation of so many movements, right? I mean, that's what gets me. MC5 is a major group if you know music history, and yet when they're you know, and they bring up the groups to be nominated for the for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They always don't get a big vote. I never understood that, Scott. You know, uh, I don't understand it either. Uh, they're one of the greatest living, you know, right, right. rock and roll bands, as far as I'm concerned. Certainly, one of the top ten greatest live acts ever. Um, right. So, and their influence is so is such Huge. a part of the DNA of of so many bands. I I can't even begin to imagine. Right. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get that, but then again, yeah. um, I don't get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but that's a whole other story. So <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut. 
<laughs> no, I I understand that. Um, what I wanted to say about um, uh, JJ was how does he's seen it obviously. How does he feel about when he saw it? What was his response about okay. it? Yeah. Well, we worked very closely together throughout the film, you know, so he really was there every step of the way. Um, it wasn't like with a lot of documentaries where you finish the, the, you know, the director and the editor, they, they finish the film and then they show it to the, to the, to the, you know, the artist or the, whoever it is that the, the documentary might be about for the first time. He was really involved every step of the way. So, um, you know, I think he's, I think he's proud of it. And I, and I think, uh, you know the critics seem to agree, and and uh, so far so good. So, uh, you know, there's a funny part in that movie, Scott, where Iggy Pop walks into the office, and he doesn't. I think he doesn't recognize Barry or something, and Barry goes over and puts a trash can over his head or something. What's that? That's, that's right. a That's a very funny story. I, that probably tells where Barry was at <laughs> in some way. You know, and not just any trash can, but Lester Bang's trash can. So think about what. Might have been <laughs> so, yeah. That's crazy. That's a great. Yeah. That was That's a great. That's funny. Yeah. yeah so you know uh, what I, I was going to say. Was a, was a volatile yeah. personality, and uh, mm-hmm. but but full of humor too, and you know, and I think yeah. that's yeah, 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 uh, and, and and charm, and I think that's what pe- kept people there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know what I wanted to ask you, Scott, was how you started. Um, how this all started was that you did a um, startup campaign, I believe. To fund this, correct? Mm-hmm. Kickstarter. Why don't we talk a little about Why don't we talk a little bit about how that all started? Yeah. And what made you decide to do that, and how it proceeded from there? Yeah. Let's hear Let's hear from uh, Scott how that happened then. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We We decided to go um, that route because um, there's a certain amount of freedom in that um, when you, mm-hmm. um, you know, get funding your film through when it's crowdsourced um you know you're not necessarily uh well you're not uh answering to a producer you know a a studio or something like that so it gives you a certain amount of creative freedom to uh to get your film off the ground and uh it was a very successful campaign we raised well over what we were asking for right and and uh, that's how i did my previous film as well and I just find that there's a certain, like I said, creative freedom in that, and that's really important to me. So it, it doesn't work for every project, and certainly it's not for everyone, and, and it's a lot of work. Um, but uh, but I, it, it certainly helped us get, get the film off the ground and, 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 you know, hit the road and start working on it. So, uh, you know, I, it, was, it, was, it worked for us. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah, and and there were some perks I believe that came along with uh, being one of the invest, you know, investing in the project that you gave out oh, at the sure. very beginning. Oh, sure, yeah, there was there was mm-hmm. a ton of them. I mean, which is great. Cream Mert, mm-hmm. um, and I think we we gave away a custom cream guitar, one of a kind. Um, wow! Guitar, yeah, I saw that. Guitar. Yeah, and then we gave mm-hmm. away uh, a Wayne Kramer. Um, guitar that we had signed by a number of the artists uh, mm. in the film. So plenty of incentives. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I wanted to ask you too was, um, would you tell our listeners um, who Boy Howdy is, the character? 
Well, the character of Boy Howdy was uh, created, drawn by mm-hmm. R. Crumb, Robert mm-hmm. Crumb. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's uh, we explore that a bit in the film. And um, the original editor, Tony Ray, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, approached him. Uh, he happened to be in town, and he just kind of walked into uh, the store that Barry owned, and uh, the head store that Barry owned at the time. And um, the uh, you know Tony just approached him and said, "Hey, we're doing this magazine. You know, would you create a logo for us?" And uh, I think it was seventy-five dollars that he was paid. I don't remember the exact amount, but um, wow. And then it just became a part of it became their mascot, and. Um, you know, the rest is history. So, I, I'll tell you, it's such a great logo. And, you know, if you're familiar with R. Crumb, and I've followed him for so much of my life, it's such a R. Crumb picture. You know, it's like you know it's R. Crumb, right, when you see it? Absolutely. His style, his style is so uh, dynamic uh, in yes. imagery. Yeah, you know, it's great. Great image, great image. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, it's, 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 you know, you see it and you know what it is. It's very iconic. Right. So, yeah. you know, we have a lot of different models, um, one being B.B. Buell, uh, iconic image of her in that T-shirt, I know. And uh, I know there are quite a few other, you know, images of other people. I love the picture of John Lennon in the uh, Boy Howdy shirt, too. That was really right, great. Right, And then there's yeah. one of Blondie. Um, Blondie's wearing one. Yep, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, I wanted to say, let's give out your website really quickly for um, the film, and uh, where they can also get merch if they would like. Yeah, there's uh, a ton of merch uh, available there, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, those T-shirts used to go for big money um, on eBay and things like that before uh, right. before we launched the um, you know the uh, the movie and the website and everything else. So. Um, now you can you can get one um, for a hell of a lot less money than you used to have to pay for it. The, mm-hmm. uh, the website address is creammag.com, and, uh, okay. and you, can, you can learn more about the film uh, as well as um, you know checking out a ton the of trailer. Merch. Yeah, and the trailer. You know what I got? I, I tell you, trailer? Scott, Scott, I bought I'm two. I'm sorry, what center? I bought two cream T-shirts, and, and they're, like, good quality, and they're beautifully made. i got to tell people, it's not the cheap T-shirt. It's a very nice T-shirt that I wear. When I judge, I go to the judging at the Grammys, I wear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, uh, yeah, Holly, you love Is oh, it mercantized sure. cotton, Scott? It, Is it like the mercantized nice. cotton? Nice. Yeah, I nice. Do not know off the top of my head, but I do know it's very. See, good I'm quality. like really, I'm really into tea. I really Holly, you into love it. Holly, you love it. It's made well. It's made very. No, well. I know, I know. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Um, what I was going to say to you, to our listeners, if you missed the beginning of the show again, if you're tuning in late, we're talking with uh, Scott Crawford and myself and Spencer Drake. Um, we're talking about Boy Howdy, the story of Cream Magazine. You can listen to it on iTunes if you missed the beginning, and it will be on demand immediately afterwards on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. Um, You know what, Scott, I wanted to ask you also about was a lot of the reviews that you're getting um, from a lot of the people that have seen the film, because I know that it was played at one film festival. The film reviews are unbelievable. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about South by Southwest. 
and what the reception was like. Yeah, we've been very lucky so far with, uh, you know, the critics. Um, Variety loved it. Rolling Stone loved it, um, as well as a number, you know, dozens of other outlets. So um, coming out of South by Southwest, it's a a nice thing to have, um, you know, to have that coming out of of such a huge festival. Um, We sold out two out of the three screenings at South by Southwest and nearly sold out the third. So. Uh, and, and, and the audience was fully engaged and really enthusiastic. Uh, I just mm-hmm. couldn't have asked for for a better response. Wow, great. And, um, oh. You know, we were part of the opening weekend uh, mm-hmm. set of films, so um, which is a you know prime spot. So um, yeah, the South by Southwest experience was was incredible. The support was amazing, um, and as I said, we're coming out of that with uh, you know a bunch of great reviews and uh, heading into the next round of festivals, whatever those might be. Good. Good. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, now, um, what was, did you won in a, didn't you win in a certain category with the documentary? Uh, we were in the running for the best audience award at South by, mm-hmm. but we lost to the Beto O'Rourke documentary. Um, so you might be thinking of salad days. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, no, Salad no, Days won. Yeah, yeah won, and uh, I know that. Yeah. yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about your documentary, Salad Days, and what that was about a little bit. You know, there are a lot of parallels between the two films um, when, mm-hmm. you, when you take a look at them. They're both about these music communities and how they they came together and created something um, unlike anywhere else. And Part of that, I think, comes from um, not being on the coasts. In, in, in the case of Saddle Days, which was a film about the, um, you know, sort of seminal um, punk uh, explosion uh, that happened in the city during the 1980s, um, it wasn't New York or, or L.A. Um, and so you had to create something that was your own, and you had that sort of chip on your shoulder knowing that, well, we're not New York, we're not L.A., but you know what, mm-hmm. screw it, we're going to make our own thing. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Cream did. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I said, the parallels, and that it's it's yet another underdog story, really, and those things just appeal to me. And um, so I, I found there to be a lot of parallels. And I love to explore the um, the environment and the, and the sort of geography and how that plays a role in um, – how these things come together, and that's what I did with both films. So, um, but yeah, Salad Days was my first, and uh, that um, played all over the world, and we won numerous awards, and the critics were very kind. So, um, uh, and as I said, as that film was winding down, that's when I first reached out to JJ about doing the cream. Oh, really? Yeah. Sure. No, that's fantastic. Now, Salad Days uh, was about... I'm sorry, Spencer. How Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sure. What I was going to ask him was, Salad Days is about um, a decade of punk in Washington D.C. That's what mm-hmm. it was about, punk music. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It was For a lot of people that haven't seen it, where is it available? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on uh, iTunes, um, and it's also available on DVD and Blu-ray as well. Oh, great. So. 
Okay, fantastic. What were you going to say, Spencer? I'm well, sorry. I was going to follow up what you had brought up, uh, which was really good. Uh, you, the the book spoke, uh, uh, Scott. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that great book you, that you were on our show actually before about that? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, yes, that's essentially, um, you know, it's the same same with cream. You know, you leave so much on the cutting room floor um, that you just can't put in the film and. Uh, so basically the book serves as a coffee table version um, in a way of the film. And a lot of the quotes, it's all quotes from the interviews that I did for Salad Days that didn't make it into the film. Oh, wow. um, and what I did is I broke it down by band. So I think there are 20 chapters. I mean, it's a coffee table book. It's photo driven, but, uh, but it's anecdotal. So, Basically, it kind of tells the arc of every band, um, 20 or so bands um, that were covered in the film. And it was just another way to kind of, um, you know, reinforce the importance of these bands and to also tell their stories, which I couldn't really do as much as I would have liked in the film. So it was just a way to kind of tell their their story um, through in their own words. And, and what kind of bands were they to describe it? The bands that you had, there's certain, right? Uh, yeah, they were all punk bands. Um, you know, uh, some more known than others. But, uh, for example, uh, Minor Threat. Yeah. Uh, Fugazi is in there. Uh, yeah. You know, the bad, the bad brains are in there. So, um, and that's again available on Amazon as well. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we. I was really proud of it, and uh, the photography is beautiful. It's yeah, I was all, gonna say the photographs are great. Yeah, it's mostly black and white photography, um, and uh, you know it really captures the sort of the spirit and the energy of the of, of that decade and what those bands brought when they played live. And I and I think it was good that you did it in black and white and not color because the feeling of the book and what those bands were is perfect in black and white, Scott. You know, I, I think so. I think there might be a few color shots in there, but for the most part, yeah, it's black and white, which really captures that decade. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, you know what I wanted to say before we end our show today is a little was to ask you if there's anything else that you'd like to add to this conversation about Boy Howdy and the story of Cream Magazine. Um, you know, mainly just to 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 be watching for it uh, if it plays near you at, at a film at a film festival near you. And uh, we're hoping to get it out theatrically uh, as well uh, in the coming year. But uh, in the meantime, just, uh, you know, you can support the film by going to the website, uh, creammag.com, as well as, uh, you know, going to, you know, looking for it at your local film festival and, and, and checking it out there. Oh, that's great. Okay. All right, all right, great. And Spencer, um, did you have anything more you wanted? Yeah, to Yeah, I wanted to ask tie in that? a little bit. It has to, a little bit of a tie-in here. John Holmstrom, who was interviewed in the movie, um, I saw him at a major interview last night uh, done by Stephen Blush, who's been on our show, and Tony Mann, both of them. And uh, it's a very good interview uh, series that Stephen has, and it's at 
Coney Island Baby uh, periodically, but it was a great interview with John. I, there were a lot of stories that John Holmstrom told about I never knew about and anybody anybody else. And then the second thing is John and I have, were combined on a Ro- Road to Ruin Ramones poster. It's going to be in a major museum arts and design um, museum show uh, called Punk Graphics 1976 to 1986. It'll be, run from... April 9th to August 18th. I hope everybody can attend. It's a it's a big 400 punk poster show uh, that originally started in Cranbrook and traveled over here. But it's going to be a major show uh, with like Lex McNeil talking to Johnny Lydon opening night. It's going to be a big thing. Um, but anyway, I just want to bring that up. And uh, uh, John was in the movie. He was interviewed a little bit in the film. And John's like, he knows all about that punk era. I mean, he's really into that. You know, he knows all about, and he went about Cream. And it was a big thing with Cream. So, yeah, so was, from, uh, that was my tie-in. <laughs> yeah, nice tie-in there, Spencer. Uh, yeah, no, Holmstrom's great. I love talking to him. We talked to him twice, actually. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Thanks, fantastic. Holly. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. So um, what I wanted to say was, it's Friday, guys. Um you know, uh, oh, oh, that's what I wanted to ask you, Scott. When will this documentary be available in um, other areas for the public at this point? Well, we're working on that. Like I said, uh, right now it's just uh, strictly film festivals. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm sure the coming months uh, that that will change. But for right now, we're we're strictly doing the film festival circuit. Okay. Okay. All right. That's that's it. Okay. All right. And um, are you planning on releasing this on a DVD or anything? Oh, absolutely. Is there going to be any distribution? Oh, fantastic. Oh, that'll be great. This is something everybody needs to have. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. That's really You know, I really think that, um, you know what, I I have somebody – I'm not sure. What is Yvonne doing? Because, you know, Scott would be really good to talk. To. I, I'd like to hook Scott up with Yvonne Seawall oh, Yvonne, from Max yeah. of Kansas City. Yeah, yep. because I think that, um, Scott, she's been trying to do a story on Max's for a while about her husband and, you know, or her partner, you know, that founded Max's and all the stories of the Andy Warhol days and everything. That might be sure. a good thing for you. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'll me, talk to uh, Yvonne. And I will. Yeah, I will. I definitely will because I think that it might be a good conversation for you to have with her because that might be a really good um, – I, I feel like this might be a really good match. Don't you, Don't you, Spencer? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know she's, yeah. in, she's with some people, but I don't know how they are, but that would be – She's. he's got a connection. Yeah, I think – uh, you, I think I think line. Scott and Yvonne would be a great. Yeah. yeah, Holly got the right line on that. Got the right line. Yeah. No, I I really intuitively I just feel really strongly that Max's Kansas City could be told by Scott because he could go out and interview oh, yeah. a lot of the people. Oh, good job. Oh, my God. That yeah. you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Good, I, I just think idea. that this is this is it. You know. But anyway, well, guys, go. If you can, see Boy Howdy, the story of Cream Magazine at any film festival coming soon near you. Go to the website, um, grab yourself a T-shirt or any kind of merchandise that's there. And if you have any questions, um, they are on Facebook and also on Instagram and um, Twitter. 
believe, I believe uh, you right. have the yep. movie on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And you can look on the website for where the film's going to be premiering or playing That's soon. Right. Updated all the time. Um, and the trailer is on there as well. Do you, do you have any info, like where it's going to be playing in the next, like in the next 30 days, any place for anyone that's listening that might be able to catch it? Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, um, it's playing April 10th, um, as well as the, I believe, let's see, April 10th, the 12th, and the 13th at the Detroit Film Festival. Um, it's playing the Cleveland Film Festival tonight and tomorrow. And then it's playing the Asbury Park Film Festival uh, I believe it's April, oh, April 27th. I might be wrong on that. I don't have the dates in front of me. But they do. They are on the Korean website, so uh, uh, you can look for those for those dates and for ticket information and all that type of thing uh, on the Korean oh, website. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. And with that, I wanted to say to everyone out there, please don't drink and drive. It's Friday, guys. Um, and we look forward to um, having you back soon with another yeah, project or um, whatever. Now, Scott, I have your number showing here on the board. Is that a good number for me to take yes. down to call you? Okay. Um, I Absolutely. just wanted to make My sure. Yeah, no, I just wanted to double check um, because I'm doing that right now. I'm just putting, I'm writing it down. Uh, because once we end the show, then the number goes away. Um, gotcha. And I'm gonna contact you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna actually contact Yvonne as well. Yeah, um, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, I really I really think that that he could tell the story. Um, both Spencer and I are both um, ambassadors for Max's Kansas City. So wow. um, yeah. yeah. Scott, we actually had a show. Remember, Holly, we had a show about the Maxes at uh, the Cutting Room, a benefit at the Cutting Room, and Yvonne. Yeah, they do a right? lot Remember of that? stuff. So, I really and, think. And we were anointed, both of us, we were anointed <laughs> as the Maxes mm-hmm. Kansas City Ambassadors, which we were very honored to be. It's a very big fun. Wow. I just really, I just really think, yeah. I, I just think that really, you know, she needs someone that, I mean, I really don't know who she's working with right now, so I don't want to say anything, but I'm just saying that I really feel like, like I said intuitively, I just feel that Scott could do a good job on that. Oh, he'd do a perfect um, job, Holly. I'm, I'm number yeah. one. I really agree well, with you. you. Yeah. Scott, thank you, you do a yeah. great job. You really do it right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll have to put you guys both on the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank boy. You. Oh, no problem. No problem. <laughs> All right. I All right, am well, going thanks, to guys. end the show real hey, quick, guys. Hey, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Oh, All right, yeah. guys. So we will see you next week. Have I a good one. I love you, one. Holly. I'll speak to you right back. I love you, Take too. Care. Bye, Scott. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye-bye, Don't drink and drive. Bye, it's Friday. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, it's a great show, Holly.